This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by the McDonald's one, two, three dollar menu. It's hard to have a friend who's a slow eater because when you finish your McChicken sandwich, watching them finish their McDouble cheeseburger and small fries can be excruciating until they notice you staring and offer up a few fries. That must be what friends are for. There's a deal for every moment on the McDonald's one, two, three dollar menu. Get a McChicken sandwich, McDouble cheeseburger, four piece chicken McNuggets or small fries for just a few bucks. Prices of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any offer or combo meal. The Washed Up Emo Podcast. Uh, joining me today is Vinny Kairuana from the I Am the Avalanche and the Movie Life, uh, synonymous with the New York City Long Island hardcore scene. Uh, Vinny has been around for years and took the time uh, to sit with us in between tours. And so, thanks so much, Vinny. Hey, what's up? Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm stoked. Um, we quickly share a common bond. We were both on an Emo Diaries comp. Um, you were on number four, and I was on the less awesome. Uh, number seven. Um, how did that come about? Was that one of the first things that Movie Life did? Yeah, it was. We um, we were trying desperately to be signed to Deep Elm um, <laughs> back in the day, and um, you know we were sending our demos out to everyone, and no one really like cared too much. But uh, Deep Elm was down to put one of our songs on um, on Emo Diaries, which we were all really stoked on that was like a that was like a really rad thing um and that actually is the reason we um or that was kind of the uh i guess that's the way revelation heard out heard about us um jason upright who was working at revelation uh got the emo diaries which is like an awesome like such an easy way to a and r stuff and totally so he got the emo diaries and then he got in touch with us and um yeah, we ended up on Rev because of that. And the Fadeaway Records, where does that play? Was that before? Or that was after? I'm trying to think of the, the line. It might, obviously, I'm being old, so the lines are blurred of what happened. Was Fadeaway before Rev or after? Because the, the, the record was before. Yeah, the record. I wasn't sure on the timing of like the release of the record and the release of the Emo Diaries, but the Emo Diaries did have a song that's older than the stuff on It's Go Time. Ah, nice. We had been, it, it was on one of, we had like, you know, back then, 
bands would make demos and then sell the tapes at shows. Yep. And um, we had two different demos, and I'm quite sure the song Balance went on there, and which was on like the second demo, the white demo. Oh, nice. Um, and then so yeah, that that was totally the way to get people to notice you back then. You were on that. It was kind of all right. You were on that comp, and um, I, I think. I mean, I'm sure there's a trajectory of when it it, it definitely lost, but um, I still get random mentions about the Emo Diaries comp on the one I was on, and I, I mean, we didn't even play either that many shows or tour or anything, so it had such a what, following. What, what was the band that you were in? It was called Halifax Code. And, Halifax Code, okay. And this, it, we were on a few comps, and the band went on to be Robbers on High Street. Oh, um, right. Yeah. Um, wow, so, that's rad. Yeah, so pretty crazy. Um, um, well, those guys were always cool like that. I mean, I think they like to put out compilations with, um, you know, they didn't just want like well-known bands. They they wanted bands that they they liked, you know, which is kind of which is kind of cool, you know. Yeah. Um, it gave a lot of us smaller bands a shot, and uh, it definitely helped us out a lot. I mean, we were we were trying, <clears throat> we were just sending our stuff out to everybody, and. Uh, Nobody was really into it until that happened. And then, of course, the It's Go Time release by Fade Away, um, which is, you know, a label off Long Island, our friends. And uh, that kind of, like, started everything. Yeah, that definitely got it for me. I mean, hearing that record, I was like, okay, something's going on. Um, And I think I'd love to kind of, we've had a lot of different people on the podcast talk about areas that they were from, if it from Promise Ring with the Midwest or, you know, um, jealous sound talking about the West coast. Um, I, what was it kind of take us back? Like the New York city, Long Island scene did, was the, uh, d- just describe it, I guess. I mean, some early bands you were into going into the city for shows, uh, obviously no cell phones and, or very, very basic cell phones and just that kind of community. <laughs> yeah. People with big VHS cameras. <laughs> Totally. Um, um, yeah, what was it like for you and kind of networking and connecting with bands? It was be, being from Long Island and getting our start on Long Island and just playing shows there. Yeah. It, it was it, it, it was definitely like it was a bit easier for us to, to get that going because there was such a strong scene on Long Island. Um, and I mean, my older brother uh, played in a band on Long Island and, and they, it, the name of their band is the Warped Weeble Wobbles. Do you remember them at all? I do not. They, it, I know it's a ridiculous name on purpose, <laughs> and uh, but this was a band that you know when they played their final show, there was like a thousand people there wow. at like a DIY venue. And anyway, like my my older brother's band would um, play all they played all of their shows for like the first few years with Vision of Disorder, who's like a big band from the town that I grew up in. Nice and. Uh, that was like the beginning for me. Like my, I was allowed to start going to shows because my brothers were there, and uh, I was young. I was like eleven or twelve, and I got to witness. You know, I didn't witness the real first wave of Long Island hardcore and punk, um, but I feel like I was kind of right there for for what I consider to be like the most important wave, which was you know I, we we were watching bands like Mind Over Matter. Um, who is like hugely influential on, on a lot of us. I mean, Glass Shaw, uh, I'm sure if you interviewed Daryl, he would say the same thing. Um, 
you know, there's even like one of the most popular Glassjaw songs has like a complete verse taken from a Mind Over Matter song, which a oh, lot wow. of people don't. A lot of people don't realize, especially like <laughs> Mind Over Matter played the uh, Glassjaw show at at Best Buy Theater last year, and they played that song, and the whole crowd started singing along, thinking that they were covering Glassjaw. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Mind Over Matter, um, Loyal to None, who who were guys that went on to do Kenny Rydell's, um mm-hmm. Silent Majority was like just starting to kind of like become one of those melodic hardcore bands that everyone was freaking out on. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then you know there was there was all that there was there's a lot of like melodic hardcore going on. Um, Clockwise was happening, which was Eddie from Taking Back Sunday's band. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of different scenes. There's a lot of tough guy stuff. There's a lot of really noisy, spazzy stuff. There's a lot of like, you know, traditional hardcore and, um, and we were just there for all of it. And, you know, I didn't, we would just go every weekend and go to all these shows and there were always five bucks or six bucks. And, um, you know, it, I was one of the younger guys going to shows and, I made a lot of friends that way. I was like, oh, you're the other younger guy. Let's be friends. And that's, that's really the way that me and Daryl from Glassjaw became really good friends was like, oh, you're the other young guy. Oh, that's awesome. Did you, and, um, were, were you into Inside? That was a band that I got super into. Oh, definitely, man. Um, Inside is the band that took, um, we know that we knew those guys, they were just like a town over. So we like, they had a band called Word of Mouth before Inside, mm-hmm. and we, we were friends with all those guys. And um, we, uh, they actually took Movie Life on on our first tour. Oh, ever. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah, they took us on like a cross country tour. I think it was like three weeks, and we played like twelve shows. It's <laughs> a lot of shows, and you know, we all we booked it ourselves. I don't know who one of the guys on Inside booked it. Um. Yeah, they took us on our first tour and like got you know we got a taste for everything and we kind of got a feeling that we wanted to kind of do it. That's more. awesome. Um, I played that band over a PA at a show I booked in North Carolina and it was maybe like ninety nine two thousand and Eben from Saves the Day was like, "Who the fuck is playing this?" <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Me." He's like, "How the fuck do you know about this band?" <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> "Dude, North Carolina, North. I don't know what it was. I mean." There was only certain places. I mean, we could go and play anywhere, but Long Island, like bands like Inside and Sound Majority, um, Us, Millhouse, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Movie Life, Millhouse, Indecision, we would always go to North Carolina. Like, even if we just drove straight there for one show, because I don't know what it was about North Carolina, but there was like this, it was almost like this transplanted Long Island scene, you know? It was like just like our scene. Um, and the kids would go nuts. Like, you know, we, we wouldn't be able to draw anybody outside of Long Island or New York city unless it was North Carolina. That's I didn't know that. I, I think we're pretty much similar in age and, and the, I felt that same way. I grew up in Vermont. I missed that sort of earlier hardcore, and then I got on the second one, and I felt connected to that. It's funny that you mentioned that. I, I, I think about that a lot. And having you guys come down there and play, there it was kind of similar because there's a lot of big city, like a lot of big towns within a really short drive. 
Um, oh yeah, like yeah, definitely. Greensboro, Raleigh, Winston, and Charlotte—they're all like you could s- s- drive to all four shows if you wanted to, or go to two, and there was all communities in those towns. And um, yeah, it seems pretty similar because um, Long Island, obviously, there's a ton of people, plenty of places to play, and a good a good bed for it. Yeah, and, and Code Seven, which is a band from from around what from Winston Salem, yep. Greensboro, or something, and. Um, they were kind of the, the code seven definitely like was the reason initially that a bunch of us came there. Cause you know, we would trade shows and, mm-hmm. and uh, stuff like that. So uh, Dave from code seven was booking all the shows. So he, he did a good job of bringing a lot of rad long Island bands to North Carolina. Yeah. He, I always begged him about shows and stuff when I was in a crappy college bands and he hooked me up a couple of <laughs> times and yeah, he was, he definitely, like I think I saw better shows in North Carolina than I did when I moved to New York. Um, just, just the amount that was yeah. coming through. Uh, yeah, that was definitely that was awesome. I was gonna think, did there was a Glassjaw show that I been trying to find someone else that was at. It was a Halloween show, and Glassjaw played a Stan Levine's Party Machine. Do you remember that? I forget what year it was, and I have. I the, don't know. I'm gonna find the ticket and I will update uh, everyone on the uh, on the Twitter and the Facebook because I I have this ticket at my parents' house and it was Glassjaw and it was like everyone was a cover band and they were like this Jewish party band. Um, it was absolutely oh, like... th- oh that was the name of their band. Yeah, it was the name of the band. It yeah, was Stan Levine's that... Party Machine. I do remember this. Oh, th- all right, uh... I'm not crazy, everybody. All right. <laughs> no, yeah, you're not tripping. That definitely happened. I okay. Think... I must have been at that show. Because it was at North 6. It was I like must... Halloween. I'm, I'm totally blanking. Which but... is now, for the people that don't know, North 6 is now called the Music Hall of Williamsburg. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it didn't look like that. No, like it... it does now. I know. I actually, I, I still think there's going to be that giant... Um, thing of steps <laughs> yeah what that you sit on yeah i yeah. know i i love that club i saw some really great shows there yeah um anyway that was my glass jaw thing i mean it's the the bands you mentioned i mean all those guys um i mean had such influence on um i think you know post hardcore and especially emo i think a lot of those bands sort of played in the same sandbox and um did you kind of go back and forth between hardcore and maybe the less, more, more, more melodic stuff? And were you sort of, um, I'm, I'm going to sing in a band and it's going to sound like this? Or, you know, I don't know, some people can scream, some people can't. Or did you find out early that you couldn't or more, it was more sing? Um, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't think of singing in a band. And, and um, I was always just happy to kind of contribute at the shows and, will just be, you know, part of the scene and, and be part of, you know, the show, the way hardcore shows go. And uh, there was a very, like, blurred line on Long Island. I mean, any bill would just be stacked with, like, way different types of bands, like super heavy bands into, like, you know, bands like my brother's band who were kind of a joke band, but no, no joke because people love them, you know. Um, and that's kind of the thing. Like, you didn't really have to... I mean, as far as, like... As far as being into music and going to shows, it was always so um, <clears throat> diverse, and which was really rad. And I feel like just shows across the board were kind of like that back then. But um, as far as being, you know, singing in a band, I uh, I was there was a this Glassjaw song 
called uh, Pink Roses in the Graveyard, I think. That was the one, and it had two vocal parts. So I would sing the other part with Daryl because we were buddies, and um, and Eddie from it was a basement show somewhere out east, and uh, yeah, Eddie um, Reyes, who's now you know Taking Back Sunday dude, he uh, he was in Clockwise at the time. Well, actually, he he had finished Clockwise and he had finished Inside, and he was starting a new band. Oh wow! And he and he asked me to sing in it because he saw me do that, and I was like, well, I don't really sing, and then he's just like well, why don't you come to practice? And then that's what became Movie Life. And it was just, uh, and Eddie had some guys lined up who, it was two guys from a band called the Sand Pebbles who were like an indie rock band from Baldwin, which kind of made our band sound kind of different, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and the original bass player was Nick, who now plays in a band called Bayside. So ah. it was a, lot of, a lot of old school. Yeah, I mean, the original the original lineup for Movie Life was Eddie Reyes from Take Back Sunday, myself, uh, Nick from Bayside, and then Alex and Evan from the Sand Pebbles. Wow, that is a super group. <laughs> yeah. Pre super group. <laughs> and then Eddie left and then Nick left. And uh, we all went on to do uh, a lot. So. Yeah. Um, I guess from from that, I mean, the. With with singing and stuff, was it you just kind of connected with it more? And I just think that's such a I think that's one of the toughest spots to be in, just because uh, there's a lot of times you're not doing something or you have to you know look or do something. And um, was that was that something that was just natural for you and you just felt comfortable? I mean, I I, I knew that I was musical and that I could carry a tune, but <clears throat> I don't know. I always. I I don't know. I guess, like, the things that I liked about music and the things that I paid attention to, like, and, you know, like, when listening to, like, a specific songs and stuff, it it makes sense. Like, I just, the only missing thing was that I wasn't doing it myself. Like, I was paying attention to a lot of different things, and I was being influenced um, before I even knew it. So, um, I don't know. It is definitely one of those things where my dad told me, like, you know, after I started a band and after he saw what we had accomplished and stuff. He's like, you know, I knew that you would end up being a musician, even though like, you know, you weren't, I was really into sports and stuff growing up. I mean, I always was a huge music fan, but I, you know, I spent all my time playing ice hockey and soccer. And, um, you know, he, he always told me that he thought I would end up being a musician of some kind because of what he would notice. Like, even when I was young, like, the songs that I ended up liking more than other songs and like the, the specific things about songs that I noticed that surprised him, you know? Wow. And, uh, yeah, that's what he told me. And I was like, Oh, that's kind of, that's pretty cool. That's awesome. Way to go, dad. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, you mentioned to the quickly, and I want to get into the movie life and I'm the avalanche and, um, I, uh, touring, I've talked about this with other bands and, and people and you kind of mentioning that bands and tours were all over the place with, with music now it's all about the package and it's all about the same you know a lot of times these tours are the same type of bands back to back to back and i still feel like the kid out there is into the pop record and into the hardcore band and into the pop punk band like i just i don't know what are you've kind of gone through it and toured on both those lengths 
do you feel that or do you sense that you know it's just what it is it's i mean it's definitely back then it would never be a package tour and if it was there would still be like two or three local openers on it which is how like a lot of us bands would get our you know christian mcknight who is Mm-hmm. You know, definitely like the legendary show promoter on Long Island, in like Long Island punk history. Um, he definitely was instrumental in kind of, um, you know, exactly exactly that. Okay, the Get Up Kids are coming through um, with the anniversary and Hot Rod Circuit. Obviously, the movie life's going to open. Okay, yep. so now Dashboard Confessional and Alkaline Trio are coming through. All right, you guys got to open. And then the <laughs> next thing you know, like, you know, Newfound Glory is coming through. And then the next thing you know, like, you know, we we kind of start to know all these bands and um, impress these bands and then tours start happening. And I mean, that's the way it would work back then. And now it, it, I feel like, you know, it's easier because they <clears throat> musicians can get their music out a lot, a lot easier and have people kind of like know what they're all about um, aside from touring, you know, um, but I feel like back then, you know, touring and impressing people was pretty much it. I mean, not that that's not important now, but um, it's not done you know, through it's a bands tweet. didn't get a chance. Yeah, exactly. Bands didn't get as much. Bands don't get as much of a chance now. You know, back then it was just a commonplace for there to be a local opener, like opening for a national act. But now, you know, they already put together the package. Sorry, you're gonna have to buy a ticket. You know. Yeah, and it, it's that. You know, they could be in a total bubble. You could, they could never, you know, hear about the band and whoever opened. And and now it's like you're at this show. You got put on by the promoter. You're hanging with them for forty minutes. No one's, you know, stuck on their phone the whole time. It was that you were kind of just you were with them. And I think that was those connections obviously helped. Um, oh, definitely. <laughs> um, and I think too, from you guys moving, you know, fade away to rev for for the movie life. It was fade away to rev to to drive through. Um, how did you feel? Kind of, did you feel like, wow, this is this is the progression. We're gonna, this is gonna be more, and there's gonna be um, more things happening for us. Or um, did each kind of prog- did you feel like, okay, we're gonna do stuff? Did you want to hit a major, or did you feel like drive through was it? Um, I mean, when we first started, I mean, especially for me, it was like, all right, well, let's, let's play shows in Long Island and our friends will mosh and sing along and that'll be that. And that'll just be fun. Um, but we were definitely driven. I mean, we were, we were trying, we were sending all of our music out to all the labels, like all of our demos before any records got released. And there wasn't that much interest and I mean we were a very different band back then we were kind of all over the place and you know I think as, as we kind of went on and kind of figured it out is when labels started to get interested and I mean signing to Rev was like the ultimate for for me and like all my friends were just like what like you're signing to Revelation Records the <laughs> like premiere like legendary label of our genre, you know, our scene. And, um, you know, no Long Island bands had ever signed to Rev and it was just like a really big deal. And we were so stoked. Um, and that, when, when that happened, I was like, wow, anything else is just so like, so, so bonus. And, um, so, I mean, we didn't, you know, but when we got on Rev, we, we started touring a lot and things were, you know, 
we definitely were driven people and we did want to succeed. Um, you know, not necessarily like write pop songs and like get on the radio and stuff, but more like, Hey, let's tour more and have more people come to see us and, you know, see what happens type of thing. Um, but then, yeah, the move to drive through kind of definitely made things, brought things to like a way bigger level. Um, things with drive through back then were going really well. And um, we kind of fit into that whole thing a little bit with our like melodic side. And um, I guess we were kind of the grittier, melodic, hardcore-ish band compared to a lot of the way poppier stuff that they were doing. Um, and it worked out really well. I mean, that, those early days were really bad. Yeah, I mean, just I think people kind of saw, okay, you guys are moving up, there's bigger tours, and did you kind of feel like each label you were doing more of those promo days and more interviews and, you know, more things like that? Did you kind of feel the grind more, or did you still feel, you know, this is going okay? I mean, as we started touring like nine months a year, you immediately start to feel the grind. Um, <laughs> and you definitely start to feel like, whoa, we're doing, we're in this you know yeah um but that was you know that's also really exciting you know and you don't get tired when you're that young you don't get tired at all are you tired um, now <laughs> no it's it's so funny i was having this conversation the other day i was just like i'm like hungrier now than i've been i, just, I don't know something in me is just kind of like oh we keep making music so there's all these different things i'm like <clears throat> i'm working on and all these different releases I'm working on and just, I don't know. At this point, I'm, I think, uh, you know, the next few years will probably be like my most prolific years as far as releasing music. That's awesome. So Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm stoked. I mean, I'm, I'm good. I'm not like, uh, I'm not as old as some of my, uh, my friends of the same age. <laughs> yeah. Um, I say, I stay young. <laughs> I always feel that too. Um, I think, uh, when you guys did the reunion in 2011 for movie life, did it, did you, do you feel that, you know, any time can cure all things and move on from differences? And I mean, it's just this past year and a half, two years, it's been, you know, no bands broken up, like refuses back and everyone's, you know, touring again. And, um, uh, you know, what, what are your kind of your thoughts on that? Did you guys just kind of, everyone just put water in the bridge and you got back together or was it kind of, yeah, well, we were like, you know, I mean, I know that when a band breaks up, people are like, Ooh, you know, like they hate each other and stuff. But like, you know, the truth is after the movie life broke up, me and Brandon moved in together. <laughs> Hey, if you need an exciting new record to look forward to, Iodine Recordings, the Boston-based record label, is releasing the 30th anniversary edition of Quicksand's classic debut, Slip, on vinyl. This is the album's first time on vinyl in over a decade with completely remastered sound. This deluxe gatefold edition with Slipcase comes with a poster, a deluxe LP, and a 64-page hardcover book. The book chronicles the album's history and has commentary from Anthrax, Hole, Rise Against, Youth of Today, Papa Roach, and more. Experience this iconic post-hardcore record in a brand new way with the 30th anniversary edition of quicksand slip available for pre-order now and in stores on march 31st 2023 and since they returned in 2021 iodine recordings has released almost 20 albums to date from bands like stretch armstrong the darling fire one line drawing jerome's dream sulker fire and more head on over to iodinerecordings.com for more and follow them on instagram at iodine recordings
<laughs> we were trying, we were sending all of our music out to all the labels, like all of our demos before any rec- records got released. And there wasn't that much interest. And in, I mean, we were a very different band back then. We were kind of all over the place. And, you know, I think as, as we kind of went on and kind of figured it out is when labels started to get interested. And I mean, signing to Rev was like the ultimate for for me and like all my friends were just like what like you're signing to revelation records the (laughs) the, like premier like legendary label of our genre you know our scene and um you know no long island bands had ever signed to rev and it was just like a really big deal and we were so stoked um and that when when that happened i was like wow anything else is just so like so so bonus and um, so, I mean, we didn't, you know, but when we got on Rev, we we started touring a lot and things were, you know, we definitely were driven people and we did want to succeed, um, you know, not necessarily like write pop songs and like get on the radio and stuff, but more like, hey, let's tour more and have more people come to see us and, you know, see what happens type of thing. Um, but then, yeah, the move to drive through kind of definitely made things, brought things to like a way bigger level. Um, things with drive through back then were going really well. And uh, we kind of fit into that whole thing a little bit with our like melodic side. And um, I guess we were kind of the grittier, melodic, hardcore-ish band compared to a lot of the way poppier stuff that they were doing. Um, and it worked out really well. I mean, that, those early days were really bad. Yeah, I mean, just I think people kind of saw, okay, you guys are moving up. There's bigger tours, and did you kind of feel like each label you were doing more of those promo days and more interviews and you know more things like that? Did you kind of feel the grind more, or did you still feel you know this is going okay? I mean, as we started touring like nine months a year, you immediately start to feel a grind, um, <laughs> and you definitely start to feel like, "Whoa, we're doing, we're in this," you know? Yeah. Um, but that was, you know, that's also really exciting, you know. And you don't get tired when you're that young. You don't get tired at all. Are you tired um, now? <laughs> no, it's it's so funny. I was having this conversation the other day. I was just like, I'm like hungrier now. <laughs> I, been. I, just, I don't know, something in me is just kind of like, oh, we keep making music. So there's all these different things I'm like, <clears throat> I'm working on and all these different releases I'm working on and just, I don't know. And it, at this point, I'm, I think, uh, you know, the next few years will probably be like my most prolific years as far as releasing music. That's awesome. So uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm stoked. I mean, I'm, I'm good. I'm not like uh I'm not as old as some of my uh my friends of the same age. <laughs> yeah. Um I stay I stay young. <laughs> I always feel that too. Um I think uh when you guys did the reunion in 2011 for Movie Life, did it did you do you feel that, you know, any time can cure all things and move on from differences and I mean, it's just this past year and a half, two years, it's been, you know, no bands broken up, like Refuse is back and everyone's, you know, touring again. And, um, uh, you know, what, what are your kind of your thoughts on that? Did you guys just kind of, everyone just put water under the bridge and you got back together or 
Was it kind of... Yeah, well, we were like, you know, I mean, I know that when a band breaks up, people are like, ooh, you know, like they hate each other and stuff. But like, you know, the truth is after the movie life broke up, me and Brandon moved in together. <laughs> and like me and Brandon, who like was the main songwriter of, of uh, Brandon Riley, who's the main songwriter of movie life in the later years. And, um, you know, I, I, obviously also from the band Nightmare Review. So he and I moved in together and became roommates. So like, I think like the people that really cared about our band and who were shocked that we broke up were probably like thinking that we were strangling each other, but we were uh, signing a lease. That's <laughs> and, awesome. <laughs> uh, we were, you know, we were all okay. Um, there was, there was some guys that I kept in touch with more than others, but it was just like, you know, we just got, we were a band that started like kind of threw ourselves together. And then the next thing you know, we were like kind of, working way harder than we thought we were ever going to and mm -hmm. we were just you know and and then the scenes start to come loose because everyone's heads in a different place and it was like this totally like natural progression and like natural breakup type of thing and i mean i think a lot of people were shocked because we had only gained such popularity in the, like the last two or three years but we had been doing it since 1997, you know? Yeah, yeah, 97. That was definitely when it started. I got, you know, all that stuff and go time, and um, that's crazy. Well, that that's that's better than, you know, it being like, okay, we didn't stare at each other during the whole thing. And, um, that's oh, the, no. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. It's like, it was cool, and, the, you know, it actually wasn't my idea, which was kind of cool. Like, you know, um, some of the guys were like, hey, you know, we should play, and, and I was totally stoked on playing shows. And, um, you know, I, I, as far as, you know, it works differently for everyone, but as far as for me and for, for the guys, it's, it's definitely something that like, you know, um, you know, it's, I don't, it, it could never be a thing like refused or, or like hot water where you kind of get back together and tour for a bunch of more years. And I think we just kind of wanted to play some shows and we did that. Um, and it was pretty cool. I mean, those are, some of the craziest shows we ever played. I mean, you know, headlining a room that holds like 2,000 people is not something that we ever imagined. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty imagined crazy. Imagined we'd do. Um, so yeah, it was special. I was watched, really cool. I, yeah, I thought it was too. I, I watched um, some of the stuff on YouTube from Bamboozle and just, you know, uh, kids just seem to, you know, want it. They were like excited about it. And I think, you know, that's that's all you want. And it was a kid that maybe missed you or didn't get to see you or, you know, his older oh, yeah. brother gave him the CD and they get to see it. It's that it's like someone saw their first time seeing you at that show. And I kind of dig that. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And that was I think I, I had more fun at that one. That was just a crazier vibe. Um, I don't know what the difference was, but I just I don't know. That was that was really right. And I think we were really good that night. And I think that's why people were like, holy shit. And yeah, still, you know, when <laughs> nobody got nobody got like really old and really fat. Everybody was like, everybody was like chilling out, and everybody, you know, we had rehearsed a lot for that stuff. You know, we yeah. took it very seriously. We didn't want to um, ruin our, you know, legacy that we had that we had built. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and then I guess moving on to I'm the Avalanche was starting over. You know, some of the some of the challenges was it in a piece for your musical taste to move in a different direction or was it more of, you know, this is just what I was into and this is what I wanted to do. Um, I was, uh, Daryl had asked me to join head automatica after, um, the movie life broke up. So then I 
I moved out to San Francisco and was working on music with Head Automatica. And um, I forgot about that. Yes. Yeah, and um, it, it it became a thing where I was like writing. You know, when we weren't when we weren't uh, wor- practicing, I'd be grabbing Larry, the drummer, who was also in Glassjaw. I would grab him and like show him my stuff, and like he would help me. Like you know, we would sit there and jam on some tunes that would you know that became avalanche tunes and um you know eventually like i wanted to i wanted to i wanted to front a band i wanted to be i wanted to kind of like i don't know i had never written music for the movie life you know like i I wrote a few songs here and there but like musically but uh you know for the avalanche i like kind of you know pretty much wrote the entire first record on my own before the band had been put together and it was something that I really like challenged myself to do so that's awesome. I really wanted to, I, yeah I wanted to see it through so I, I, I saw it through and put together like a sick band like the same guys that are in the band to today and um you know it's just been like an amazing era you know like of my life this whole the avalanche stuff has been really rad um it's just it's a very pleasant band experience and um you know, we we got a lot we got a lot done. Um, and, and touring uh, like crazy. <laughs> yeah, we don't. We took some time off, so we we decided in the last uh, twelve months or so that we would make up for that. So, well, I, um, I saw you guys in London um, with Brand New. Um, oh, nice! At the Roundhouse, and I just I don't know. It was just one of those things where I was kind of like, okay, well. I remember these, you know, use movie life, and then here we are in London as I'm the Avalanche is fucking packed, sold out roundhouse, and you know, kids are going off. And I was that like, brand, this is, that th- brand new tour was hard. That was hard for us. How, was it just was it the kids? It, that it, yeah, it was a little bit. It, it, it's hard to support a band like Brand New um, with like a few thousand of their fans watching you and like. And they're all kind of wondering who you are. Um, And and it was a little bit, it was a little bit difficult for us to do that brand new tour. I mean, it it was, I loved the tour and I thought it was great, but we, um, you know, it's different. If a Manchester orchestra goes on tour with brand new, I think, you know, that's a good, that's kind of a good match. Yeah. Um, Us doing it and us getting up there and playing like pretty fast set of like melodic punk music kids were just kind of like wait am i not supposed to like this right now like uh, <laughs> it's like sort of the I, arms I, crossed I, I have a beard now so <laughs> i'm gonna pretend like i never listened to music like that so you know um but that tour was really special to me especially like you know the movie like took brand new out on tours and uh, you know before brand new had just you know completely blown up and um, you know, it was a really nice full circle thing to be out, especially be out abroad with like these dudes that we all came up doing it together, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, uh, I just think there's, there's a few bands that like you just can't open for, like, I think Motorhead's one, like you're just going to get yelled at, you know, like it's just that kind of thing where they're like, no, no one's right in front of them. They, they just want to hear them. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I think you're right. I think Brand New definitely falls under that. But you know, it was, it was radical. Yeah, I think I just I I enjoyed the show. I had a blast. So, um, and just yeah, seeing uh, seeing Brits go off was always it's always a different experience. 
Um, I guess now too with this band, you're you know you're more connected to it, more connected to the the fans, social media and updating and things like that. Um, do you feel like you're connecting better with everybody, or do you feel like it's you know it's not really helping? Yeah, I do. I mean, I. Not necessarily helping, but just that it's more of a, oh, fuck, I got to update the Instagram. Oh, we got to do a YouTube update or, you know, Facebook status update. I mean, is it, is it something? I mean, I generally post stuff like my pictures of my lunch and like my, you know, my niece or something. Yeah. But like, I really love the fact that, you know, leading, you know, it's a great way to just let everyone know, hey, here's the tour dates. You know, look at this list of tour dates. And as I just really like that, waking up even the day of the show, waking up in the morning, and be like, "Hey, we're on our way to Boston." What's yep. up? You know, and just people be like, "Oh yeah," you know that <laughs> that kind of thing is really cool. I like I love that. Um, I love that, and I love you know having these thousands of people following me so that they have to look at what I made for lunch and stuff. So I get it. <laughs> get a kick out of that so you're making them do stuff but then you're also giving them in information that's that that's good <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um i i think i love when you said earlier that you know that you feel like you got your best ahead of you um what's driving you to to do this what's what's kind of in the what's in the future uh right now there's a lot going on um we are, I have a, another band, like a, a project uh, with some friends of mine in California. It's called Peace Out. And uh, it's with uh, Steve Choi from the RX Bandits, uh, Roger from No Motive, and Casey from The Velveteen. Oh, I love The Velveteen. Um, yeah, well, we have The Velveteen's drummer. <laughs> ah, how did and I not know he's, And he's playing very heavy music. <laughs> Um, it's called Peace Out, and it's coming out October 30th. Um, it's a self-titled EP. Um, very heavy, kind of, I mean, I describe it to myself or to, I try not to, like, you know, whatever, genres and, like, labeling stuff, but it's definitely psychedelic hardcore music to me, at least. Um, and I'm sure there'll be some shows and stuff. We don't have anything planned. We're kind of in the... We kind of just want to get the music out and let it marinate a bit. Um, awesome. And then I'm going out to California in October to release, uh, I'm sorry, to record a solo EP, which will be the first solo release I've ever officially done. Uh, just acoustic or kind of full band, but as you, by yourself? It won't just be me and an acoustic guitar. There'll be more to it, but cool. I wouldn't call it I wouldn't call it a full band. Um, there's going to be a lot more. There's going to be a lot going on. Um, awesome and yeah there'll be there'll be some uh it'll be a lot more depth to it than just me strumming an acoustic guitar i don't think i would force anybody to <laughs> <laughs> i'd be i would be sick of myself if I... but uh, i mean you know live it's one thing but you know um in the studio just i want to add a little bit more depth to it and uh just kind of go nuts with it and get really creative I was going to say because you you did you did really well at the Vans house last last summer. Oh yeah, I've been playing. I mean, at this point, I must have played at least 150 solo shows. And Angels and Kings, a bunch. I probably played Angels and Kings 150. Times. I think I saw your name as "Hey, he's playing later," like at least 10 times. I think. 
Yeah, like I had I had kind of a pseudo residency going on there, which was really cool. My girlfriend lives down the block, so I would like walk down the block. Oh, that's perfect. Um, yeah, it was, it's it's cool. So I I figured, you know, I, I've been talking about doing something solo for a while, just to like, because I do do I, I do a lot of solo touring, and um, so now now I'll have some music, um, and then you know over the winter record the new Avalanche record and. And that's it. And in, in between all that studio stuff, definitely be r- running around the planet playing solo shows and, you know, the, the odd avalanche show and stuff. Like, we're kind of definitely taking a break from actual, like, touring touring right now because um, we, lo- we had a nice long run and we were just touring our asses off. So we're all back home chilling now, and um, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm kind of trying to squeeze in what I can yeah, uh, when I, I can. I don't think you have anything going on, so you should probably find another project to do. <laughs> yeah, I, sh- I, sh- I don't. I don't have anything to do tomorrow, <laughs> so I should start another day. So tweet out tonight or send out a Facebook message. Hey, everybody! I'm going to do a new project tomorrow. That's awesome. <laughs> I think that's great. I think. Th- you know, there's a lot of people that I've talked to. Braid, for one. I mean, I just hear it in Bob Nana's voice. He just wants to keep making music, and that's all anyone wants. I think anyone that comes up to you that says, "Hey, what's up? I love your music." That's all they want. Um, and I think yeah. that's a, I think that's a really good place to be in. Oh yeah, I mean, it's I'm definitely in a spot now where there's going to be a lot of me, different types of music from me for people to hear, and uh, and I'll I'm going to try and keep busy with it. You know, with all of it. Um, as long as I can. That's awesome. And then um, you were living in Brooklyn. Uh, I've, I have I had been living in Brooklyn for a long time. I moved out a few years ago. Um, I live in Long Beach, New York now. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's like a rad, rad little beach town. Actually, I think a, a, a coworker lives out there too. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, he loves his commute <laughs> all the way into Midtown. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> um, well, that's good that you're 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 home because you're able to watch um, football. Um, and I think I think ha- some of your tweets are about you being a huge Liverpool supporter. Um, yeah. And how did you get to like that team out of all the others? If you know, um, I have a few. Ex- I get. I just got back from a solo tour in England. And I had to answer that question so ah, many times. Oh no! Um, and a lot of the people were like really angry while they were asking. Um, I guess there's a few answers. I mean, one, when you're American, you have to choose one. Totally. Yep. And you know, obviously, we're talking about European football. We're not talking about American football, but yes. we're talking about soccer. So, <laughs> um, aside from just you know, you kind of have to just choose one and what you like um you know back then there wasn't a whole lot of, they weren't televising a whole lot of games and when they were tele- televising a lot of games or, the, or televising any games they were generally like a week or two late like after they had happened so so it was, and we didn't have like it wasn't as easy for us to follow teams from over there like way back then so um they would play liverpool games because liverpool is you know one of the more famous teams in the mm-hmm. world and they would play Liverpool games, and they would play Man United games. And, um, you know, back then, I just, you know, when I was younger, you know, Ian Rush and Robbie Fowler and mm-hmm. were sick and awesome. And then Steven Gerrard, like, is my favorite human being on the planet. And um, 
I just, you know, uh, there's a lot of, there's, there's a lot of, uh, great history and, um, it's just a really awesome, cool, sick club. And I mean, people, people that aren't Liverpool fans, Liverpool fans love to hate on Liverpool, um, which is fine with me. Um, I'd, I'd rather, you know, I just, uh, it's, 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 it's something that's, uh, pretty important to me at this point yeah i i think i may have told you but i I got super into it um um i don't know five or six years ago and then um recently i saw a fulham game um Uh and that was it um i was like i found my team dempsey was with him at the time he's not anymore but that was it for me and i think you know, uh, connecting, um, with other players doing the, you know, going to the bar and watching it with other people like the supporters club and all those kind of right. things. Those things are such a, I don't know. It doesn't happen with a lot of other American sports. Um, and I think there's something, um, to it. There's a real unity there and there's a real, there's a real community and there's a real like family vibe going on, no matter how big the family may be. But, uh, I mean, that's definitely part of what attracted me to Liverpool too. I mean, it's just, a really special team with a really special history and a really special fans. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, you know, you mentioned Fulham, uh, when we were corresponding before this interview and, um, I was talking to Steve Choi, who's from the bandits who I play and pieced out with. And, uh, I was like, yeah, I guess we're going to talk about soccer. And, um, he said, he's a Fulham fan. Like what? He's like, that's weird. And I'm, and I'm like, well, maybe he's English. Um, but yeah, and but that's exactly what I said to him. I was like, well, maybe he's like got into it, and Dempsey was on the team still, and you know. Um, yeah, no, you're no, you're totally cool. right. I love, I love Clint Dempsey. Man. He's cool, and we came very close to getting him from you. Yes, you did. Was, um, yeah, and then so we, we we really fucked that up, but. <laughs> Uh, he's cool, but you guys are stoked, man. Uh, you guys looked good last week, and Berbatov's going to score at least twenty goals this year for you guys. So that's my that's my uh, prediction. Thank God, because everyone bought every other striker, so we have to. Dude, you guys, <laughs> you guys stole Berbatov four million pounds. That's nothing. <laughs> I got four million pounds in my in my couch, in my couch cushion thing. Did you? No, you guys, you guys. That, that's one of the best signings of that transfer window. Thank yeah. You for sure. I, I, it was it, a friend had said it, it is interesting that they're sort of like an underdog team that you know doesn't really compete with the echelon and always kind of wants to and they're sort of in the middle of the table and I kind of like that you know I I kind of like the underdog role I'm a Mets fan so that's we suck so uh, yeah um, yeah so you used to it. <laughs> used to that feeling so um, but I think too the um, I think now it's so much easier to follow the game. Um, there's at least eight or ten games on um, live, and in the UK they can't even watch it. Um, I know we, it's easier for us to watch it than them. Yeah, the, I have a friend through the webs through Washed Up Emo. He's a huge Tottenham fan, and he's always he's always laughing. He's like, "I love that you just watched my team, and I'm in England, and I can't even see." It. <laughs> I have to yeah, wait. they they have that shit so screwed up. All the networks and stuff they have it. It's so bad. Yeah, um, but I would go crazy if I couldn't watch it. I don't know what. <laughs> it's like we're so used to live sports. Um, well, it's just like the, it's such a perfect time for me to like be done with with like major touring for the year because it's just. It like, is. I was gonna say you're 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 Champions League. <laughs> like everything's right now. 
I know. I watched. Uh, I've been watching Champions League all week and watched the Europa League today. Um, watched Liverpool play in the Europa League today, and they're playing Man U on Sunday. Like, you know, I can pretty much fill my week with watching soccer. There's enough going on. Yeah. Um, so, which I pretty much do. Like, you know, I I, I do spend a lot of time at home watching soccer. Do you have the app or do you just watch it on the Fox Soccer? I watch it on Fox Soccer and um you know, I'll I'll stream it on like an illegal site if they're not televising it. Nice. But they're doing like a Fox Soccer Plus like a free week of Fox Soccer Plus right now. That's pretty awesome. So um I've been watching Fox Soccer Plus because they've been playing like the other you know, they played Man City Champions League on regular Fox Soccer, and then they showed, like, the Arsenal Champions League game on Fox Soccer Plus. So I'm thinking maybe I'll get the package. The and app, then I'll be sorted. The app is amazing. Um, I, I, I think I was watching five games at once at work, um, and then when I'm at home, I can, I can uh, air, air play it to the TV. Um, oh, nice. So, yeah. <laughs> it, is, it is pretty ridiculous. Um, uh, They're making that, it easier for us, which is really, I, I'm really happy about it. Yeah, it's so, that's what I'm saying. It's so easy. And, you know, people in the UK are like, I can just listen to it on the radio. <laughs> it's like, I would go yeah. nuts. Um, well, that's cool. Well, uh, you know, when uh, Liverpool and um, Fulham play, I'll be sure to talk shit. Um, yeah, and... You're more than welcome. <laughs> I like that confidence. Means... No. Oh, yeah, the confidence. We haven't won a game yet. <laughs> Um, but I, you know, Liverpool is in a, uh, obviously in a rebuilding phase and I believe, I believe for sure. It is hard week in, week out, not getting wins, but I, I see, I see things taking shape. I see a lot of our young players doing a lot of big things and those young players, you know, a few years from now, I think, uh, Liverpool is going to be in a very good place. You heard it here first, guys. <laughs> well, I think too. I would love if like basketball and hockey. Well, hockey not because it's not happening. But I would love if basketball had a relegation. It would be every sport awesome. needs it. Every sport because every it's, sport needs that it. last day last year for the Premiership was crazy. Like, yeah, it changed in seconds, and I think I would. Ne- I just I don't think it would ever happen here because you know you know the Clippers would never. Um, you know, be in the NBA again, but or the Bobcats. But I just think it would be so. It'd be such um, better for the game and for competition. Yeah, it's something to fight for. Yeah, you got to fight to stay in the league, or else wave bye bye. Yeah, <laughs> bye bye no money. Going to see you again if you're in championship. <laughs> yeah, no. You know, I mean, if you're American. Yes. You know, it's very rare that you get to watch any leagues in England except for the Premier League. So if you don't make it to the Premier League, like you can say bye to a lot of a lot of viewers. Yeah. Well, you're lucky a lot of too. Money. Well, you're lucky too. The owners of the pool are American too, so I'm sure they're pushing that too. Yeah, the, um, I actually went and saw Liverpool play at Fenway Park this summer. I mean, it's one of the coolest days of my life. That game was awesome. I enjoyed that game. That was fun. <laughs> it was a fun experience. I mean, you know, a lot of it, it was just it was, it was really cool, cool to see it out at that baseball park. Oh yeah, definitely. And yeah. It was, it, it, there's a lot of history there, and there's a lot of history with the, with both teams. And it was really special. Nice. Um, 
Well, I am super psyched um, to hear about all this new stuff. It's just a lot of times, I mean, with, you know, the Braid guys, like, I got this going on, this going on. And for a website, you know, called Washed Up Email, I think I think um, it's great to have um, us old guys still doing it. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> I, Yeah, man, definitely, definitely. Lots of, uh, a lot of music will be coming out. Cool. Me. Yeah, I'm stoked, man. I'm awesome. Stoked. Um. Well, cool. Well, thanks so much for doing this. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me, man. It's nice to, uh, nice to, nice to talk about the old Long Island days. Yeah. <laughs> nice to, and nice to talk about, uh, you know, it's, it's, I have a lot going on, so it's really cool for me to like let people know that one. So, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Washed Up Human Podcast. Uh, I truly love every one of you writing, emailing, or tweeting at me saying how much you enjoy it. It means a lot. Um, I promise to keep this going as long as I can. Follow me on Twitter, at uh, Washed Up Emo, or on the Zuckerberg site, facebook.com slash Washed Up Emo. And if you're ever in New York City, come hang with us every first Thursday at Idle Hands Bar on the Lower East Side for Emo Night. Um, so until next time, thanks. Come this time.